0: This is Seattle Sports at night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on seven hundred and ten ESPN Seattle. Seattle
1: Sports at night, right here. We had to talk Stacy off a of ledge just a little bit ago. She was—it sounded like she was trying to put up a fight against Paxton Lynch. Like
2: sometimes I make a joke check. and I just roll with it a little too long. Yeah, I was making punching moves, like you could hear my watch. On the mic, and it looks like a little Cabbage Patch doll trying to punch as hard as it can.
1: Let me at him, see. I don't
2: know what happened to me. It's just all of a sudden I was, I was like dead set on on making this happen. So,
1: like at training camp this upcoming season, if Paxton Lynch walks by, are Jake and I going to have to hold you back? From, no, from no, like I'm not going at his ankles.
2: <laughs> I'm not really going to fight anyone. I think I just the joke felt I just couldn't get away from it. I was, like, suddenly we've, rooting we, for it a we've little all, bit.
3: We've all been there where we just take it just one step too far. Yeah. What if
2: I just do a little bit, just like a flinch? Just a little bit. Just enough Ooh. to make you guys nervous. And then
1: watch, like, Paxton Lynch and his mustache <laughs> kind <of flinched>. recoil. <laughs> oh, a
2: little shared.
1: <laughs> What's up with her? Oh,
3: <laughs> Seattle I want I want this to happen so bad. Kind of. Can we set
1: this up, please?
3: I've yeah. never
2: been in a fight ever in my entire life.
1: Well, yeah, with that attitude, I can see one. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like I'm a quitter? Like I wouldn't do it?
1: Yeah, no. Oh, uh, man,
2: <laughs> let's get into the Mariners.
1: Let's do it. Mariners, they've dropped six in a row after such a hot start. I don't think anybody had projected them to cool off the way that they have over the last week here. Losing three in a row to the Astros, losing three more in a row to Cleveland. If you, I think for me – When I look at what they've done over the last week, I think it boils down to, above all, the starting pitching that they faced in these six games. And you look at how they got off to such a hot start, it was taking advantage of starting pitching. It was just absolutely destroying whoever was going to go out there and take the ball from the very get-go. I think through the Kansas City series, opposing starters had an ERA over 10. You come here to Seattle with the Astros and their rotation, as good as it is, and then Cleveland's obviously – you look at the last five guys that the Mariners have faced, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, uh, Trevor Bauer, Shane Bieber, and also today, Carlos Carrasco. Those five guys are definitely all-star candidates this season. Mm-hmm. And so you run up that against that kind of gauntlet, game after game after game, Yeah, that's going to wear on you. That's going to be really tough to get anything going. And we saw it today in the Mariners in the final game of this series. Couldn't muster up hardly anything against Carrasco, striking out 12 times, only getting one runner past second base today. It was just very frustrating, this homestand. But you're not going to face a gauntlet of this kind of starting pitching every single game out there.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it's not completely fair to to gauge where they're at uh after that level of play. Um, but that being said, you and I had a conversation about what do you expect to stay the same about this team? What do you expect to change? And kind of what do you expect to rear its head? And I think the fielding errors, uh, the bullpen, mm-hmm. those certainly reared their heads during uh, this two series stretch. Um, but I think I was still expecting more consistency from hitting. And uh, I think you make a fair point that, that maybe a better gauge for that lies in the series that lie ahead. But, uh, but that still surprised me. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a cop-out from, from not really knowing what to expect from this team. So, so I kind of changed that barometer, and that's not fair. Yeah,
3: well, I, I think that they didn't, they didn't light it up uh, in, in, these, uh, in these matchups versus great starting pitching. At the same time, it wasn't like they got shut out every single game. There were a couple games where they scored some. They've scored five runs, mm-hmm. or they'd be in the hunt and, and make a comeback, and then their opener against the
2: Astros, even right. you know, outside of those, those
1: two grand pitchers. slams, they were still very much in that.
2: Yeah,
3: one. yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, two nights ago, you know, bottom of the eighth, they start making a little bit of a run on a comeback uh, of a comeback, and now fielding errors uh, really, really bite them. Uh, and uh, and so I, I expect this team to be you know, kind of in the middle of this uh, where they're going to still have great offensive output um, and they're going to be able to win, you know, a decent amount of games, more games than maybe we were anticipating. Uh, but overall, you can't, you can't make up for the lack of a bullpen and the lack of uh, of a defense uh, with, with those critical errors. But the one thing that was really cool to watch tonight was Eric Swanson. I mean, that was a, a really, solid outing from him and the, and, I, and I'll take this one step further. Eric Swanson came out through the Paxton Lynch trade. And, and so the would, James Paxton or James Paxton trade. trades. Yeah. Sorry. What did I say? We're Paxton talking about Paxton. Oh, okay. you got Paxton yeah, I, I got my Paxton. Yeah. It's
2: just, you know, all the Paxton Lynch. That's right. Me.
3: That's right. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys having my back here. Uh, so uh, that to me is very encouraging because they identified great talent. They were able to identify someone in that trade, uh, like Swanson, that, hey, this is a minor league guy that can be legitimate. And if this continues to pan out... And now you can have a little bit more faith in Jerry Depoto and some of the trades that he made to go after a J.P. Crawford, uh, a Jared Kellenick, you know, uh, uh, Justice Sheffield. So I think that's one thing that I took away from this game.
1: Yeah, Swanson today, six innings pitched, just two hits allowed, one of them being the home run that ended up deciding it in the fifth inning. But you saw from him today. I think the most encouraging thing that I saw in watching him pitch was his efficiency. He wasn't getting into long at-bat after long at-bat. The only long at-bat he got into was the one where he ran into trouble against Jake Bowers who hit the home run. But other than that, he was setting guys down really quickly, really efficiently, and that's something that you don't see from young pitchers from time to time is, is them being efficient and just not wasting pitches and, and really attacking hitters, and that's what he did today, six innings pitch, just two hits allowed. I mean, for a guy who was making his first ever start at the big league level, it certainly didn't seem like it. It did not seem like this was something that was you know too big for him.
2: Yeah, taking a taking a step back away from from solely pitching to look at this team, we had a big if true a while ago. Um, it was uh, maybe after the first game, uh, and and Jake, our very own Jake, Heaps, a little tongue in cheek about it, but but we jokingly slash somewhat seriously at first asked, "Are the Mariners good?" Are they legit this year? And and we rolled with that for a while because it became a question that we, you know, it started out as a joke with Jake tweeting that they lied to us. But then after a while, we kind of started saying, wait a minute, what if this is a real conversation we need to have? <laughs> what if they kind of surprise themselves? So after this series, now that you have a bit of a mixed bag, is that still a fair question to ask or is our outlook suddenly changing or is it too soon to make a call?
3: I'll I'll, I'll let Curtis answer this uh because you know he is our Mariners insider he here. My, my perspective simply is this, that with those two matchups against Cleveland and against the Astros and that quality of starting pitching, I believe that they show that they are simply not ready for the playoffs. And when they, when they play very good quality opponents, like the Astros are going to be one of the best teams in baseball, if not the very best uh, this season. So once they play up against those quality of uh, of teams, the difference is is stark. But when you play against some of the middle-of-the-road teams, I think this team is extremely competitive and, and can be a lot of fun
1: to watch through the season. And you look at the scope of the American League this season, very few teams are going for it. You've got the Astros, who I think we all can... It's, it's pretty safe to say after this last week, they're the best team in the American League West. Mm-hmm. In the AL Central... Cleveland is the best team talent-wise, but they've struggled offensively. They're going to be without Francisco Lindor for a few more weeks. Everybody else in the AL Central is not good. The American League East, the Yankees have had a ton of injuries. The Red Sox are the worst team in baseball, which no which one saw wild. coming. Yeah, they're 6-13. and They lost again tonight. Grand slam by Brett Gardner in the seventh inning gave the Yankees the win there. The Blue Jays, they're bad. The Orioles, they're bad. The Rays are really good, and I can see them playing in October. There are a lot of bad teams in the American League, and if that's going to be the case the rest of the season, if New York is going to hover around 500, if Boston's going to continue to be awful, I think that leaves the door open for a team like the Mariners, who have gotten off to, I mean, yeah, they're, they've lost six in a row, but they're still 13-8. and eight. They still have a chance to finish April with, 20 wins if, if all goes right for them, and I think just with the how mediocre the American League has been this season, the Mariners could back their way into a playoff spot in a year where they didn't even set out to be contenders.
2: Can you imagine after <laughs> seven? What is it? Seventeen years of uh, missing it, 18 going on 18, 18 years that you kind of like accidentally get into the playoffs, and
3: not only that, but that you just you just weren't as bad as right, you initially thought, and everybody else was a little bit worse than what you yep. were expecting to be. Like, Not only did, did you not play necessarily great to get into the playoffs, yeah. thing, but you just didn't play as bad as you thought. It's someone
2: w- calling your name when you weren't paying attention, like the Mariners, and then all of a sudden they look around like, oh, you, no, you're not good? Okay, well, I guess it's me. I guess it's my turn. <laughs> you know what? I think fans would take it. Oh, absolutely. playoff is a playoff. Are you kidding me? This yeah. this
1: city would go nuts. For yeah, it. they would. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would absolutely be.
2: Jake wasn't even born yet.
1: <laughs> Jake and I were born in the same year. Yeah. So yeah. that's
2: well, I said <laughs> what I said.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's big if true. Coming up in about 20 minutes. Big if true. Would the Seahawks actually make a draft day trade of Frank Clark? That's coming up in 20 minutes from now. But which of the Seahawks prospect visits so far? interest you the most. They've welcomed in a lot of guys to the VMAC over the last couple of weeks as they get set to take part in the draft eight days from now. So which of these guys who have visited the Seahawks facility interests you the most? We answer that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, the quarterback, Jake Keeps, right here, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: We're taking your text questions when we close out Seattle Sports at Night about a half hour from now. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Rost, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports at Night. It's your turn to ask us anything when we close out the deal here on this Wednesday night, so make sure you're tuning in for that. Uh, you can listen to the show anywhere via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. Before the break, we asked the question which Seahawks prospect, or at least a prospect available in this year's draft, and the visits that they have taken to Seattle, which of those has interested you the most? And there are a lot of guys that kind of pop off the page here. When you look at every single one of these players that has visited Seattle, the the possibilities are very intriguing. You know, you look at uh, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver from ASU, uh, Caleb McGarry, offensive tackle from Washington, Taylor Rapp, guys who are very well known to Husky fans and also Seahawks fans around here. Jeffrey Simmons, who is one of the best, I believe he's like the NCAA's all-time sack leader. Uh, so, Rashawn Gary, another guy at the top of a lot of draft boards. So many intriguing names, but I want to know from you two, Stacy and Jake. Being Stacy, you being the Seahawks insider; Jake, you being the former player, the guy who's who's got it all. Which prospect that has visited Seattle interests you the most when it could be a possibility for the Seahawks at twenty-one or or later on in the draft?
3: Uh, this is a a. I, I, this is a draft for the Seahawks that is really, really important uh, and, and one where they cannot mess around. Stacey, uh, your, your quote for them or your mantra for them was uh, don't get cute. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, quality over quantity because that's mm-hmm. the situation that you're in. And we are going to find a lot about where the Seahawks think that their needs are. They don't have room for error. They don't have room, like as Stacy said, don't get cute to take on project guys at different positions. Uh, they have specific needs, and I would say one of the things that stands out to me before I get into anyone specific is the fact that they met uh, with three uh, really quality receivers um, that uh, are, are, are around the second to third round and they, you know, potentially a a late first round pick. Uh, I think that that's really important to point out. Uh, I think that they are for sure in the receiver market, and I think that they will take a receiver higher than what people might anticipate because you simply do not know what's going to happen with Doug Baldwin. Is he going to retire? If he plays this season, can he remain healthy the entire year? And also, is Doug going to remain a Seahawk from that point on? Uh, he has one year left on his deal, and is, is Doug's future in Seattle done after this season if he plays, which hurts my heart to think about that. Um, the other thing that is interesting to me is the safety position. Uh, the fact that they, they met with uh, a ton of safeties, and what all of those guys were able to do in their careers was be extremely diverse. So mm-hmm. those were guys that not didn't just play. I played free safety or I played strong safety.
2: More like a Bradley McDougal. These you could yes,
3: play. these were hybrid guys that played multiple positions. Some played some nickel, some played corner, some transferred from corner to safety. They have flexibility in their game so that you can piece these guys around around a Bradley McDougal, a guy that could maybe play some nickel for you. Uh, when you play nickel and dime. So I think not just getting a secondary player, but a guy that is extremely athletic and a guy who has high IQ that can play multiple positions is going to be very important for the Seahawks.
2: Is the idea that uh, you maybe don't... I think you see reflected in franchise tag values that pass rushers and a couple other positions uh, have started to become seen as more valuable than a wide receiver it's kind of the way of like it's not quite like a running back but it's this area where I think people see it as a mistake sometimes if you pick a receiver in like the top 10 right um and and that seems to be a trend that I'm seeing with drafts with mock drafts this year what would be too high for the Seahawks to take a receiver because you're you're saying they should use one of these four picks assuming that they even stay with four picks yeah that they need to use one on a receiver
3: Right. I, I think that they will acquire more picks. And so that's where I think that they're going to be able to take a receiver a little bit higher. Uh, so, I again, I throw out the number six. I think that they are going to try to trade down twice uh, and, and maybe have the ability uh, to get six picks. And if you have six, uh, I would assume, let's just say you have two second-round picks and two third-round picks at some point in time. I would expect one of those picks to be a receiver. And so that's where a a Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. That is a name that really intrigues me because he's an extremely talented guy. Big guy too. He is a big body guy who can who can make difficult catches, uh, and and you could see him slip in this draft because he's not a freak of nature in terms of his speed, uh, and and sometimes the the sexy receiver. Uh, ends up getting picked higher than maybe what they should, like a like a DK Metcalf, because he absolutely destroyed uh, the forty yard dash. His his numbers are in, in, incredible from a physical standpoint. But Denzel Harry is a guy who I believe is the more complete receiver. So somebody like that, a a, a Paris Campbell. Uh, uh, from Ohio State, those two guys really intrigue me uh, and and I think would be a tremendous fit in this offense.
1: I look at the prospects that have been brought to Seattle in the draft process process, uh, for the Seahawks to scout. One thing that stands out to me is the lack of offensive linemen and running backs, which you would think the Seahawks would always be trying to look for the next wave, considering with how much they run the ball. You've got, I believe, offensive linemen. It's just Andre Dillard, Caleb McGarry, and that's it. Two local guys. And then running backs, Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. That looks to be the only running back that they've brought in. Does the positions in which the Seahawks have brought in prospects here, does that scream to you guys or at least kind of, show the Seahawks cards a little bit that, hey, maybe we're going to start throwing the ball a little bit more.
2: We were, well, we were talking a little bit about just kind of what the, looking at just the positions of prospects, what that tells you about things. And like Jake said, he was, you know, looking specifically at that safety group, that there's a lot of versatile defensive backs and that the secondary is something that they're certainly looking to address. Um So I'd say a little bit, but I think that you could even look before you're looking at these prospects and look at what they were doing training camp. I was expecting them to be uh, integrating the running backs into the passing game more. I mean, they were a big part of drills, and I know that that happens every year at training camp, but it felt like a very intentional thing to, to really diversify the passing game, get a lot of guys involved. And so I was a bit surprised when we didn't see that as much. It might have been because Chris Carson was so successful on the ground, and and the, initially they had uh, some help from guys like Will Disley, so they just didn't turn to it as much. Yeah. Um. It could have been that other guys were injured. Uh. You know, CJ Prosser would theoretically be your pass catching running back, as would JD McKissick. Mm-hmm. So so you had some some injury issues there, but I think that when you look for something like that. And you wonder, you know, is are they showing their cards? Are they going to be looking to do a bit more of, you know, like passing or whatever? I think that that is a thing that you could tell from before this list.
3: Yeah, I, for, for me on some of those, Curtis, like running back, I mean, they're really not in the market for a running back. Well, it, they have a lot of control the
2: over the running backs they have now. For
3: sure, it, it, there really isn't any interest for them to take one. And I would be, I would be livid if they drafted a running back. Uh, in what this if it draft. was in the first round? Uh, uh, let's, oh. not, let's not go down that road. <laughs> back run, okay? to back years. So, uh, let I
2: just keep adding qualifiers. Yeah,
3: let's not, let's not do that. Uh, I, and what I would, if it was
2: after trading up?
3: Yeah, to pick number four for for, for them. Jake just explode <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, for for them. I would say the defensive line, uh, the fact that you don't have it, as many defensive linemen uh, on this list is a little bit telling because True. you don't want to show your cards. In these in these visits, you do not want to show your cards on some of these players. For the people that you do bring in, though, you do have real, genuine intrigue in who they are, and you need to find out more. You need to see them up close in person uh, to to either knock them off your list or to keep them on your board. Uh, And so uh, a guy like uh, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that, that uh, screams to me as a no brainer in terms of guy you would try and visit with Uh, the D tackle three, four defensive end from Mississippi state uh, has a little bit of a um, uh, personal issue uh, from, you know, his, uh, I think it was three or four years ago, had when he was in high school, domestic violence, uh, situation and then goes to Mississippi state. And from everything that we know, uh, totally turned his life around, uh, is a, is a high-quality player. Um, our own Brock Heward actually, uh, if I recall right, uh, did a, a draft breakdown of him, and he's a guy that uh, has all the talent in the world uh, but is a risk to take because of that history. And so the Seahawks want to meet with him, want to get to know him better. Uh, so if they did take a chance on him, he would be a guy, Curtis, to me, at 21 If he slid to them potentially, uh, I think that they could maybe pull the trigger on that because he is that type of a difference maker. And this visit possibly could have been the difference uh, of them feeling comfortable taking him or not. Uh, But they didn't obviously bring in a ton of guys because they don't want all other 31 teams knowing who they genuinely are interested in on a defensive line perspective.
2: Here's what I'm genuinely interested in, and I'm not going to be able to find an answer for it. Because I'm not a GM, but I wonder if for, for the GM, for scouts, how can you get as much information as you need on someone while also making it seem like you have no interest in them whatsoever? Like, I feel like I remember Bobby Wagner saying he felt like the Seahawks weren't interested in him. Was that something he said, or am I thinking of another player? I
1: believe, because I don't think they brought in Bobby Wagner for a private workout. But they that's didn't. the
2: thing. I mean, when you, like Jake said, like sometimes you just want to distance yourself from a player. Like we hear all the time players who were like, yeah, I actually thought that X team would draft me because yeah. I only talked to the Seahawks once. And I just wonder, like, how much can you learn about someone? You must, I don't know, it must be just networking. It's just an off-topic well, kind of thing that I, I really do wonder when they talk yeah. about kind of... Anytime you hear a guy say, I had no idea.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, when, I, when I ended up going to the Jets, I'd never talked to the Jets. I'd talked to, like, talk to 15 teams, and the Jets were the only ones that called me, uh, and that was for a rookie minicamp tryout. And it was just like, this is unbelievable. Um, yeah. So th- there are countless stories like that. The NFL was a weird deal. They don't give out information. They don't talk. Uh, they, they, they don't want to show any of their cards. Huh. Um, so, it, it yeah, all these players, they have no idea unless you're uh, Kyler Murray or you're, jo- you're Joey Bosa. like You've got no clue.
1: Coming up next, sort of a big if true revisited. We've got Jake here. Tom Pelissero. he joined John Clayton yesterday, floated the idea of the Seahawks making a draft day trade of Frank Clark. A day later, do we still feel the same way about it? We answer that question next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on seven hundred and ten ESPN
0: Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio. This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross on seven hundred and ten ESPN Seattle. We're taking your text next year on Seattle
1: Sports Tonight. Ask us anything to the Cougars Light text line 710-710. It's always there for you. Don't be shy. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacey Rost, the quarterback Jake Heaps. A power trio unlike any other. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's fair. That's, that's very a, fair. Yeah. Name a better trio. We'll really wait. No one? And no one. Okay. And
2: the text line is quiet.
1: That's exactly what we thought was going to be the answer. Stumped. <laughs> As we do each and every night here on Seattle Sports Tonight, it's time for Big If True. And last night, Stacey and I, we looked at a little nugget that Tom Pelissero dropped for us. When he was on with the professor John Clayton on Tuesday, if you haven't heard that, check out the podcast, 710sports.com. Every every single hour of Seattle Sports Tonight is there for you. You can download it on iTunes. You can also download it on Google Play. Uh, also our website, 710sports.com. Click on the podcast page. But tonight, sort of a big, if true, redo. I think that's it's a-, a
2: remix with Jake, and I think we're focusing a little bit more on one part of it.
1: So, without further ado, here is tonight's big if true.
2: This can't be happening.
0: Big, you can't be serious, man. If did, did he, he say, say that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. Big if true. Tom Pelissero of the NFL
1: Network, a guy who's very plugged into the NFL. I consider him to be one of the one of the more trustworthy reporters out there of all guys in the NFL circles. Uh, yesterday with the professor, talking about Frank Clark and his future in the Seahawks organization, and he said that there are teams very much interested in Clark services. You know, Frank Clark is looking out there at the DeMarcus Lawrence deal and saying, well, if DeMarcus got, what was it, about $21 million a year, something like that, You know, I, I want to get over that. Um, but that's a that, that's a sizable sum to commit, be committing to uh, one player in that defense, especially if. A trade market materializes for Frank Clark, and you know the way I hear it, there are several teams that are um, in the mix for Frank Clark. Nothing imminent on that front, but that's definitely a, a situation to watch as it plays out over the next nine days here. Several teams in the mix, in the hunt for Frank Clark. Yeah, Jake, when you hear words like "in the hunt" for Frank Clark, mm-hmm. does that signal to you that? the Seahawks are in fact dangling him out there, or is that just teams doing their homework on it?
3: Yeah, I think that this is something where the Seahawks are actively pursuing this. Uh, How active, I do not know. Uh, But it's something that you have to put on the table, and you have to legitimately consider this. And I believe that this is an Earl Thomas situation uh, from last year, that uh, this is a case that if you can get great value out of a Frank Clark trade, then I think you can't pass it up. And for them... They believe that Earl Thomas was a first-rounder or not worth trading at all. And I believe that that's the same thing with Frank Clark. And if they're not—
2: That if it doesn't happen day one, it's not happening. Correct.
3: If this does not happen day one, this trade is not happening at all. And uh, and so that is something to look out for. I, I have a hard time seeing that this will happen before the draft. I think this is a day of situation. And I don't—and this is this is a hard thing because, like I said earlier on the show— it's a risk. If you trade Frank Clark, it is because you're basically swapping out Frank Clark for a younger uh, a opportunity to get a younger uh, uh, potential franchise marquee defensive end, pass rusher, and you're taking a chance there um, and, and having someone secured for the next uh, four years potentially instead of going down the road with Frank Clark where you have no idea what he's asking. Uh, Right now, you know that he thinks he's comparable to uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence Mm -hmm. and that contract, and the Seahawks are just simply not uh, willing to do that deal right now. And I don't blame them from a money standpoint if Frank wants a a very comparable deal to that. Um, And uh, and so it, it makes it difficult, or they keep him on the franchise tag this year at seventeen million, and and they try and look for the future going into next year. Uh, that those are all the situations that are up in the air. But if they can deal him for really good value in the draft uh, and get a good quality first round pick out of it, I think it happens.
2: So if you can't deal him day of, then do you do you look to a long term contract? And if you do that. What happens if he's asking for more? Tom Pelissero kind of hints that he wants more than that 21 million that Demarcus Lawrence is getting. Uh, is, uh, is that something that that you pay him? What makes those two players different? Uh, what might make him yeah. worth that essentially? As
3: of right now, I, I don't think you can good conscience can pay uh, Frank more than Demarcus Lawrence right now. If that's indeed what Frank wants, uh, now Frank is is two years younger. Um, but the difference in DeMarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark is, even through last year, is I love uh, Frank Clark. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I, I think he is a legitimate player. Last year, a, a, a little bit past the halfway mark, Frank was a elite pass rusher, and then he became a total complete player. Meaning that he was a game wrecker in the pass game and also in the run game. But that was not felt through the entire season. Demarcus Lawrence is that player every single year, game in and game out. And that is something that if you're going to pay Frank that kind of money, then you need to see that one more time. You need to see it one more year, Frank, play this out on that ta- on that franchise tag and see him be the game wrecker that is a Khalil Mack, that is a Demarcus Lawrence, that is an Aaron Donald type of player because that's the kind of money you're talking about right now and Frank would need to prove that. If he's coming in at lower than DeMarcus Lawrence, then I feel more comfortable. But if it's at or above, nah, you you, you got to give me one more year to prove that you can be the all-around game wrecker for that kind of money. And if, and if that's not the case, then I think the best thing to do is to get really good value for Frank Clark right now if they can and get a first-round pick and get someone locked in for the next four years.
2: You know, Going back to that question, though, if you pay Bobby eighteen million, or yeah. you just give him a lot of guarantees, you've mm-hmm. you've got thirty five million for Russell Wilson. I know we've talked this; it feels like to death. But I think that the conversations that you know a lot of us are having on the shows is is almost expecting that one has to go. Can you sign all three?
3: I think you could sign all three. It is possible. There's no question. The the hard part that's hampering the situation right now is you have. Uh, cam chancellor still on the books he will come off this year Mm -hmm. that's something that that's been there the other thing is doug baldwin what is that situation going to look like his that 10 million number will come off the books next year so in theory the cap space that you do have going into 2020 and 2021 is extremely healthy now the seahawks could take a couple different approaches they could say hey we want four cornerstones we want russell wilson Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, Jaron Reed to be our four cornerstones of our franchise, and we're going to build around them. Or they say, hey, it is Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and everyone after that. And I believe Jaron Reed is going to be another contract that they are going to pay, that they want to pay and keep him around. Um, And so I think that you're talking about the latter situation there of everything about Russell and Bobby building around it and trying to have as much cap space to, to to maneuver that roster around as much as possible.
1: Text coming in from the 509. We asked the question, who's a better trio? They said, Tyler Lockett, DJ Fluker, and whoever the cameraman is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I have to wonder who it was. Yeah. One thing that Russell Wilson said today that uh, kind of surprised me was he was asked kind of when he first saw it, and he said that it was during a team meeting he came in and Schottenheimer, like, they were all talking about plays, and Schottenheimer was like, well, what you, let me show you something.
1: Oh, no. Kind of like, as so if it was good. like,
2: what do you think of this? And then it was this video. It's oh, so good. I'm it was surprising. So... I thought, I imagine that it was posted to to Instagram or
3: something. Right. I am so happy that that happened, that it, Russ deserved crap for that video. Uh, I. It, there's so much to dive into that, but the fact that he got roasted uh, with the team, with his teammates, I think that those are the types of fun things that you look for. And if you're a franchise quarterback, you have to have those kind of fun moments to take a light of yourself and to know that your teammates and your coaches feel like you can do that because uh, we've heard in other organizations like Aaron Rodgers, that probably wouldn't have flown too well yeah, with him. he's
1: a little scentsy poo. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, we answer your questions. Send him in. Coorslight Coors Light text line is there for you 710 710 ask us anything wraps up Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle
0: live from the Alaska Airlines studio this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle Get those questions into the Coors Light
1: text line, 710-710. It'll be time for you to ask us anything right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night with you. Our draft coverage is brought to you by TSA Jobs. Now, during the break, we kind of wondered, like, because oftentimes we get ad reads here that none of us look into and wonder, like, what are we doing? shilling
2: here probably shouldn't say
1: that no or what what are we what are we selling here because tsa jobs it's like is that the actual tsa we're, turns out w- w- turns out it is we're being sponsored by the tsa which shout out to them i mean they keep our airports safe and yeah if you you
2: know what shout out to SeaTac airport too
1: i think yeah a good time to, which is stacy's hometown that. SeaTac.
2: <laughs> can i read questions now
1: uh, yeah, but I mean TSA. Like, shout out to them. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought I it didn't was either. Like,
2: and you spotted it.
1: I did. I thought it was some you know job listing website, but no, it is it is TSA jobs. If you want a job with them, you've come to the right spot.
2: Uh, I'm gonna. I, I have another question I want to ask, but this one just popped in from the four two five. Speaking of airports, if you were getting on an airplane fight, I didn't know this was a category of fights. Whoa! But the category of airplane flight, they'll land that real quick. Fight. Who would you want? Maverick, Iceman, or Jester to be your wingman?
3: To be your wingman. This is different. So Yeah? This is different. Okay. Wingman. Okay. So not. So this not, isn't
2: who's fighting with
3: you. Not who, no, this is like the guy who you're your, your co pilot. Yeah, the guy who's your, like your gunner. See, yeah, the guy who's seeking everybody else in the back. Like Got you're, it. you're trying to fight people and you're like, what's going on? They're they're okay, trying to get it okay. all done for you. I would not want Maverick. Maverick is too much. Uh, he, he's, a he's a wild card. He's a wild card. I don't think that he would be able to really, you know, have my back in that situation. Okay. Not a lot of a trust too, there. Yeah, be a little too risky. Him okay. as my fighter pilot all day, every day.
2: What about Iceman?
3: I think I would take Iceman. Iceman's a little bit more by the book.
2: I don't know Still these ruthless. people. Next question. Un-
3: Stacy. you <laughs> are You just- know what?
2: Let's just leave it.
3: Rocky. <laughs> I'm going Iceman. Die Hard. Oh, is this hard. from Rocky? Top Gun. No, this is from Top Gun.
2: Oh, I know Goose. I didn't Top- know all the other Talk people. Talk to me,
1: Goose.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeesh. Okay.
2: Well, that's fine. Four, two, five. 2 uh, Is Cassius Marsh the best player Jake played against in high school? <laughs> you have to answer truthfully.
3: Yes, he is by far, actually. Really? Uh, we played each other. Uh, Oaks Christian, Skyline High School... Uh, at at Skyline High School it was a pretty amazing game on ESPN, uh, and uh, that's one him and I go back and forth on all the time talking smack. And uh, he was this was when Cassius was fat Cassius. This is when he was a defensive tackle, getting recruited, committed to LSU at the time. Uh-huh. He was like three hundred pounds. He was Whoa. a freak of nature, quick hands. Wow, we couldn't block him. Uh, and eventually, he got hurt in the middle of the game, and that kind of helped us uh, out in a big way. So yeah.
2: Uh- <laughs>
1: That Oaks Christian game, there were there were stars on stars on that field, wasn't it? Nick Montana, the quarterback. Yes. Oaks Christian. Who ended up Wayne Gretzky's kid. Up yeah, Trevor bit. Gretzky, who ended up playing major league, or not major league baseball, minor league baseball. Will Smith's yeah. kid, I think, yeah. also So, right in
3: that game, all right, in that game, midway through the first quarter, we're on offense, and I'm about to snap the ball, and all of a sudden, our crowd goes insane, like, just starts yelling, and, I, and I'm, like, mad, like, what the yeah. heck, like... You guys are never like that. You guys know what you're doing. And it was Will Smith walking on the sideline <laughs> with his Whoa. entourage. He had just flown he just flown his uh, private helicopter on top of the baseball field and walked down and he was walking around and the place went insane. And I'm like,
2: You're like, you guys, dude, we need to get on the is, same page. This is Will
3: Smith right now. Yeah. Wait, I'm,
2: did you have a Starstruck moment?
3: Yes. I almost forgot to snap the ball. It was I was such a crazy environment.
2: From the four two five. The Astros were Seattle's team, and the Mariners were Houston's team. Who would be your favorite Astro-Mariner? Mm. So I guess who from the Fa- Astros would you? Be Ho- your favorite player if you got to watch Jose Altuve.
1: But yeah,
3: to me, by far,
1: he's so good.
2: And then also, he's got
1: a really good personality too. He's a guy that uh, loves to loves to have fun there. Who I who I would not be a fan of is Justin Verlander and or Alex Bregman. I don't like either one of those guys. <laughs> Cannot stand either one of them.
2: The 425 says biggest accomplishment in Jake's life. Jake, this has to be someone you know. <laughs> Three state championships in high school or eating nine pizza rolls in one sitting. Did you? I don't understand. Did you only eat nine pizza rolls? Why did you disrespect yourself?
1: Nine, I don't, I don't nine, was, nine no no seems idea. so small. For,
2: that's really disappointing to me. Nine,
3: nine pizza rolls is nothing. Okay, well, so here's this, the, this is not an accurate okay, okay. deal here. So I have no idea. So with that, that's You're going to have to say the champion. Yeah, like, duh. Uh,
2: so I'm going to say the... From the 425, you must eliminate one of the four for the rest of your life, forever and ever and ever, until you die. I added that last part. <laughs> Number okay. one, Snickers. Two, Kit Kat. Three, Butterfinger. Four, Milky Way. You can never have it ever again, and you can't even have a bite to be like, I just wanted to to have like a taste of it just for the last time. You have to decide right now. This is
1: the easiest, easiest one. What Butterfinger? Yeah, I'm gonna Trash. say Butterfinger.
2: It just it's gross. Pretty it soon, crumbles you're, in your mouth well, and then it gets stuck in stuck, your teeth. And you're pretty soon you're chewing the Butterfinger with the Butterfinger because it's stuck <laughs> yeah. in your teeth and it makes like a. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay, here's the reason why I say Kit Kat, because I think it's just plain, and if I never had it before, I'd be fine. A Butterfinger, I wouldn't want it every day, but every now and then, a Butterfinger is good, is really good to me.
2: I just can't believe you're choosing it over Kit Kats. Yes. It's the weakest of these candies.
1: What? Not a I chance. Just... It's not elite.
2: From Would the... you want K- your Butterfinger is elite? not your yeah. team exactly on
1: a two-minute drill?
2: Yep. No. I don't know that Butterfinger can do that.
1: Of those four, Snickers is by far the best.
2: From the 425, if you were wrestling at WrestleMania, what would your entrance music be?
1: This is similar to the question of, like, what would your walk up music be? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think with WrestleMania, though, with walk up music, intense. you can choose whatever you want, but WrestleMania, you need to choose your favorite song that is also a song you could listen to right before you fight someone. Yeah. Like what song do you listen to when you're real mad? Or, or
3: if you, or if you're John Cena, you could just make up your own song. Yeah, right. He he wrote his own yeah. entrance music. Or if you're The Rock, you can just listen to yourself talk. Right? Yeah. Have yep. your own have your own slogan. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, there's yeah, there's 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 something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I'd probably just make up my own thing because I'm WrestleMania and all those guys are just into themselves anyway. So,
2: is there a better cereal out there than Reese's Puffs? I'm gonna say yeah. Yes, Reese's Puffs far, is like a number the, six. Seed. Number six. I mean, it's, it's Reese's right?
1: for breakfast, right? As, as the commercial would say. But yeah, Reese's I'm gonna Puffs. Say, way down. On my what's
2: list. the best cereal ever? You know what? I like um, Captain Crunch peanut butter.
1: Ooh. Peanut
3: butter? Yeah. Oh, uh, you got to go. Crunch berries in my. In I my
2: only berries or or the mix? No, variety. the mix. The mixed okay. variety. Maybe I'm, I'm crazy. Bore, I,
1: I love cinnamon toast crunch.
3: I love the yeah. cereal. Boom! I yeah. love that too. Uh, Fruit Loops is always good. 360
2: says Corn Pops. Get out of here. What? Get out of here. You're wrong.
3: Corn Pops? Don't come on our text line with Corn Pops. You know what's crazy is
2: there's so much sugar in them, and when I was younger I used to think that was the healthy cereal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I used (laughs) to think Frosted Flakes and Corn Pops were like the healthy version of cereal, but that was just the 90s for you. It was nothing but sugar and like purple ketchup, and
1: there were no rules. No rules, and the, the, they also had the Doritos, the three D yeah. Doritos that would turn your tongue blue. You, you know what's really
3: good, but also the most frustrating cereal to eat is Fruity Pebbles, because once it be it becomes soggy it be, it's, really then fast, it's gross, and and it gets it's just not yep. an easy cereal to eat. No,
2: they have a short window. Uh, the two five three wants you to know, Jake, that you are correct on Butterfinger. Kit Kat is a distant second.
3: Yeah, I know. I, I'm not worried about you guys disagreeing with me. I know I'm right on this. Thank you, thank you. Two five three.
1: I think it's time for us to All go. Right. Yeah, I've made some yeah. enemies. I've made some
2: life enemies on the text line right now. Yeah,
1: you did. That's going to do it. I for I see us. how it is. Two five three. Yeah. Two five three. Come with it. You, that's my area code too. I figured yeah. it would have been better. Yeah. No. The
3: two five three, Curtis. I'm taking over the two five three. I used to I, live in the four two five. Now I'm in the two five three. I cannot yep.
1: let this stand. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for us here tonight on Seattle Sports at Night. Thank you so much for stopping by. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. For Stacy Ross and Jake Eaves. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.